morning. I would like to uh, greet each one of you. Happy Sabbath. And what a privilege indeed to worship with you this morning, uh, being led by the singing men. I would really love to join you in wear the batik uh, this morning. It's just that I'm uh, very happy and inspired just to see you singing this morning. Thank you, gentlemen. This morning, the topic is the second part of the three-part series regarding faith. I was joking with uh, some of us, telling them that, okay, I'm the third pastor from the two pastors from the past two Sabbaths <laughs> that you got to choose. And I'm like, uh, ner nervous? No. <laughs> so this morning, uh, just to give you a bit of a backdrop, we talk about few Sabbaths back regarding faith, and there are levels of faith, at least as it was revealed in the Bible. And it's the person with, which has no faith, the person with little faith, and the person with great faith. Now, our task this morning is to browse through the Bible and see how can we move from being faithless going to having little faith, because little faith seems to be working well in many of the interactions of Jesus in the Bible. Not everyone has great faith, but at least they have little faith, and they were affirmed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And of course, if we can reach having that great faith, then wonderful and well done. To introduce our topic, I would like to quote Arthur Gutterman. Uh, he said... In one of his books, first dentistry was painless, then bicycles were chainless, carriages were horseless, and many laws enforceless. Next, cookery was fireless, telegraphy was wireless, cigars were nicotineless, and coffee, caffeineless. Soon, oranges were seedless, the pudding green was weedless, the college boy was hatless, the proper diet, fatless. New motor roads are dustless. The latest steel is rustless. Our tennis courts are sadless. The new religion, faithless. He was writing on or about the uh, advent of the 1900s whereby religion becomes sort of an entertainment for people to go to. It is important, according to the Bible, to keep evaluating our personal faith and spirituality. The Bible says that examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. Why is it so? Because the Bible has enumerated like a lot of verses that requires faith. For instance, for the remissions of sin, when you need to ask for forgiveness, it requires you to trust God that indeed He has provided the provision, meaning you only have to Believe it. It, is, it has been done. Jesus Christ paid for your sin. Faith is necessary in order to complete that transaction. A justification also. Salvation, sanctification, spiritual life, eternal life, edification, preservation, adoption, access to God, inheritance of the promise, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. This all requires one to have faith in God. The Bible clearly says that without faith, it will be impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. 
and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It dawns on many of the theologians that faith is not actually something that is abstract, but something that is necessary for relationship. Let me clarify this. Faith is not needed in order for you to prove the existence of God. Faith, however, is needed in order for you to develop a healthy relationship with God. One theologian wrote it poignantly when he wrote the biblical language of faith concerns a relationship of faithfulness and cooperation. It's just like your relationship with your spouse or with your children or with your best friend. Trust, belief is important to enhance that relationship. Otherwise, you will always be doubting and you will always be holding back without faith to that someone that you are relating with. Faith is also essential to dwarf off or to put off the temptations of the evil one. That's based on Ephesians 6.16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So faith is our shield so that we will not be constantly hit by the bombardment of the attack of the evil one. It is important so that we will survive. Just one quotation from Ellen White, or at least uh, one of the two. When she defined faith as the act of the soul by which the whole man is given over to the guardianship and control of Jesus Christ. So faith is essentially, in other words, allowing God to take control of our all being. The whole of our being. You trust God in every area of your life be it relationship, be it finances, be it your future, be it your health, or your plans for the future. Faith says, I am turning over all of this to God. Now, last time we talked about these levels of faith. However, while little faith may work, we saw that little faith is a rocky state. It is sometimes you believe, sometimes you doubt. It's a rocky state. It's an anxious state. It's like and sure state. And so we would want to reach the restful state whereby uh, whatever it is that life may throw at you, you will say, I know God will take over. I know God will do something. I do not know how. I do not know when, but I know God is good and that he will soon intervene. Or probably he will intervene in ways I may not even understand. That is a restful state. You remember the rich young ruler who said, well, Jesus, just say it, and it will be so. How do we get there? Let me suggest three steps on how to reach at least a restful state of faith, or at least to grow your faith and my faith a little bit more. That's all. Just a little bit more. The Bible is clear. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and this will be the first suggestion on how to grow our faith. The Bible says, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Nothing new here. But let me just highlight to you that the word used here is hearing. Even in English, and it's more apparent in the original language, it is present progressive. It is not like you have heard the word of God. The Bible says that our faith grows by our continuous hearing of the Word of God. 
Is it not something that happens in the past and you believe and you're all right today? The text says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me just share to you this morning as you know, you are acutely aware, there are many voices in our world today that tells us how to run our lives. Many of us would uh, unable to pass the day without listening to a certain influencer or probably listening to a news. And have you noticed that, you know, I, I'm the guy who browsed through all and most of the news outlets like BBC, CNN, uh, Fox News, and all the Straits Times, even the coconut and, you know, the, the tabloids that they have published here, here in Singapore. I browse through it every day. Now, I notice this. I get more stressed the more I am informed with this news. Probably they have their agenda. You know, the, the more you look at them. So now I become a little bit picky with what I read, what I expose my senses into, because it will somehow influence me. It is important to continuously listen and hear the word of the Lord, not only rely on the past. This is what happens in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 37 verse 4 when there was a valley of dry bones and uh, Ezekiel was wondering how can all these dry bones come back to life? Then the Lord commanded him to prophesy and he prophesied to these bones and said to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Apparently Paul was right when he says in order for us to develop life in order for us to be stronger so that we will not be dry bones, we need to continuously, progressively, the word of the Lord must be fresh every morning, not the past. It's not like heard the word of the Lord, but hearing the word of the Lord. Another verse that I would like to present to you this morning, and you are familiar with this in James 2.14, what good is it? Paul wrote, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? You remember the parable of Jesus in Matthew 14, right? The parable of Jesus regarding a sower who went out to sow. In the first point, whereby hearing the word of God, by continuously hearing the word of God, we grow in faith. And secondly, that faith must be put into action. However, there are uh, things that kills our faith. We call these faith killers. In this parable, Jesus Christ introduces what kills the word. And that word enables us to have bigger faith, right? And if the word is killed, then the faith will not grow any bigger. It will die. There are three faith killers based on this parable in Matthew chapter 14 on the parable of the sower. Number one is the hardened heart whereby the seed fell on the highway and the byways. It is a well-trodden path, and so this, the seed cannot grow. And Satan saw it, and Satan was eager to immediately take it away. Number two is the half-hearted. The half-hearted one is the one that's planted on a soil, but below there are plenty of rocks. Jesus explained this as the one who is half-hearted, meaning... Your faith is somehow believing and unbelieving at the same time, and the seed has no space or no place to grow. 
many scholars have even suggested that the soil, with, which is just a bit of soil on top and a lot of rocks at the bottom, is a life which can easily be uh, explained as something that can easily be killed by the heat of the sun or probably the howling of the wind or the pouring of the rain. The roots are unable to take hold of the soil, so it fails to grow. Lastly is the worldly heart. It is the seed, my brothers and sisters, that is planted and yet along with its environments are just too many thorns and too many bushes. Jesus Christ explains this as the busyness of life. This guy is just simply busy. There's just too much thing to do in the office, too much challenges in the family, too many commitments, and too many projects that needs to be done so that the Word of God was left dampened and unable to grow. It was choked up by all these weeds. So these are the faith killers. This will kill your faith. When you listen to a Word of God and you harden your heart and you say, wow, I wish that sister or that brother is here. She should have heard this. You know? If you think that the Word of God is not for you, then you are hardening your heart. Or probably half-hearted. You just don't want to go in all the way and trust God with all your heart. Or probably still worldly. You are suffocated or choked with too many things going on in your life. James 2 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds or without work is dead. He further argued in chapter 1 that do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So the second point is, not only we are supposed to be hearing God's word, we should be heeding God's words continuously. And you know, this is one of the most challenging part. It's very nice to be inspired by the words of God, you know, to read it and check a box. But to hear it, to obey it, actually is another board game. But if you would grow in your faith, you and I should start to heed and follow and obey the Word of God. Let me give you some examples. Actually, in the Bible, there are about 600 imperatives, 632 imperatives in the Bible that we are told to heed or to obey. We cannot read all of this, but you know, these this are what the Bible are telling us to do, or at least to obey, to be glad, to be reconciled to your brother, to be wise, to be harmless, to be ready for Christ's coming, to be content with your wages, be merciful as God, be like faithful servant, be thankful, be at peace among ourselves, etc., etc. And there's another slide for you to look into. These are some of the... Uh, Councils of the Bible that we should heed for our happiness. And as long as we heed this, our faith continues to grow little by little. No, I know, I understand. I myself is a human being. The only difference is I have gone to the seminary, I have gone through theology, but I'm as human being as you are. I go through temptations as you are. The challenge is this. I know that this will be hard to always heed the word, but what I've discovered is this. Little by little, as you trust the Lord, as you try to decide to obey Him, you may fail and fail and fail and fail. But the Bible says in Proverbs 26, verse uh, 17, that the righteous falls seven times, but he rises again. 
So never mind if you are unable to comply with all this, what the Bible tells us to do. The most important thing is that you are willing and you want to try. And by the grace of God, you want to keep rising by His grace and by His power. There's quite a bit of list that may dizzy you. So let's just move on. Lastly, uh, what we found out in order to grow our faith is test God's word. Now, there's a difference, you know, when you are testing God, meaning you are rebelling God. But when you test God's word, you want to try it out. You want to see, really, Lord, whether this one will work out for me or not. John 20, 31, the Bible are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. What are some of the Bible verses that we can start to try or at least test out? Matthew 6.33, I did this when I was still studying and even now in the ministry for so long. Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. There should come a point in time in our spiritual journey that you would want to read the word of God and say, Lord, this is your word. I believe in this. I would like to try this, Lord. And see whether God will be honoring His word. See God whether He will be faithful to His word. I have this one member in the Philippines. I have several districts in the Philippines before coming here in Singapore. So, yeah, even though we are online, I know that they will be guessing who's that. Huh? Okay. I have this one member in the Philippines who is desperately wanting to be married. And she was telling me, Pastor, Pastor, please pray for me, pray for me. Okay, I'm praying for you, don't you worry. And uh, after like a few years of praying, she was unable to find that guy that she wanted. And so she just uh, finally uh, decided, you know, well, probably the Adventist guys are not for me. Maybe I'll try something or someone else, you know. And I said, just, just pray for it. Just pray for it. Keep, keep praying for it. Keep believing in God. And you know what? She was just married last week at the age of 38. And she called me up last Wednesday and told me, Pastor, I just got married. Wow, that was long. You know, I've been in Singapore for 12 years already. <laughs> that was really long. She's already 38 years old. And she said, I trusted God that God will give me the right guy at the right time. Now she's married to one of the elders in the North Philippines. One of a, he's not a, an old man, but an elder of the church, a very faithful guy, you know, and he, she, she, she told me, I'm just so glad that I've waited on God. I'm not saying you got to wait for a lot, about 12, 15 years. I'm just saying, hang on in faith, because God will honor your faith. You have to test God and try God. I have this one member, one member who just gave the testimony two weeks ago in the afternoon service of the Filipino church. A new member of the Filipino church. She's a veterinarian. And uh, she, she, she told the congregation that this was her second month, actually. And, you know, she only have about $20 left in her wallet. Because she had to pay up some agency, she had to send money back home, and the salary was not that big yet because she was just starting. And she was wondering, shall she give her tithes? 
if she will give her tithe, she'll only have $20 left and uh, for the next two weeks. And $20 for the next two weeks is, uh, you know, Singapore, right? One chicken rice is so much. $3.50, right, on a good day. Uh, and she was like, oh, Lord, I know that you would want me to give you this. But you know that I'll be left with only $20. You will understand, Lord, right? Maybe I pay you back next week. Something like that. That's, that's her testimony. That's her story, not my story. I was just sharing to you guys. But she said, well, I'll, I'll just trust you, Lord, that you will open the windows of heaven and that you will provide for my needs. So that, that Sabbath afternoon, she came to worship. And when the deacon announces the giving of the tithe, she surrendered to God and come up and put uh, the money on the, the jar, which you are not using anymore. <laughs> and she said, let God be God. Two weeks with only $20. You know, when, when she said uh, she has returned that, a peace overwhelmed her, and she knows that God will show up or God will do something. If not, she will try to figure out how to manage the $20. She doesn't have many friends yet, so, so she doesn't know who to borrow. She was thinking of me, okay, the pastor, maybe, you know, $50. $50, she'd be like, okay. But you know, on the middle of the week, that, that uh, Saturday and then on the middle of the week, she said she went to withdraw her $20 on the ATM. And to her surprise, she has $170. And she called the employer and all, said, well, what do I have? I, I checked last time, I only have $20. And there was some adjustment on her salary. And so the $150 was added. And she called me, Pastor, I need not borrow money from you. I said, praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> and this, these are very small money, very small thing for many of you, I know. It is not your problem. I know it's not your trouble anymore. But maybe it will encourage you that even in little things, God can be trusted. And God still show up even today. The Bible says that in 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, we ought always to thank God for your brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. One thing I would like to highlight is this. As our faith grows, so our love for one another. The more you trust God, the more you are able to relate well with the people you are seeing on a daily basis. It will increase. I've uh, browsed through the crosswalk research, and they have listed 10 telltale marks of a growing faith. And probably just browse through it, see whether you can relate with any one of these. But according to a Christian researcher, this are actually the marks of a growing faith. Number one, you engage in fewer arguments. When you have faith, you know, God will, you know, take care of it. No, no, no point to continue to argue. Then number two, you love to serve. You love to serve. Number three, you prioritize heart change over behavior modification. It's not only merely for the show. What matters most is the heart. Number four, you turn to Jesus during times of doubt instead of running away from Jesus. 
Number five, your love for Scripture has also increased. Number six, you accept people who are different. Now, this is very important for us among Adventists. Uh, we are sort of an exclusive people, and uh, we, we, we tend to uh, accept people who first behave, believe, then they belong. But uh, the more you grow your faith, even though they do not believe yet or behave yet, they belong. Number six, you are now taking steps to save the lost. Number eight, if your faith is growing, you are less anxious, more at peace. You worry less. Not that you do not worry anymore, but you worry less, less ready. Number nine, you become more generous and less stingy. And number 10, according to our last verse in 1 Thessalonians, you become more loving, less rude. Well, there was a, a, a legend in the Cherokee in uh, North America. The Cherokee tribe will usually tell the, the youngsters a story, sort of a children's story, regarding two wolves, the white wolf and the black wolf. They say, uh, teaching the children that the white wolf represents our kindness, our humility, our trust, our community, help for one another, and uh, the, the black wolf represents you know, anger, our doubts, our selfishness, and all. And these wolves, according to the elders of the Cherokee, when they speak to the children, these wolves, my dear children, lives in your heart, lives in every one of us, the white wolf and the black wolf. One children raises his hand and say, you know, just like some of our children would like to, you know, uh, join the story. Say, hey, teacher, teacher, cast something. Huh? So which one grows bigger? Well, the elder would usually reply, the one you constantly feed will grow bigger in your life. Those who talk faith, Ellen White says, and cultivate faith will have faith. But those who cherish and express doubts will have doubts. Well, many of us are sometimes in a valley of decisions like anxious and trouble. The good news is our short study this morning will end in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible says, if we are faithless, God will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I know that at times we are struggling to trust God. Don't worry. God remains faithful to you. He will not disown you. He will remain constant and loving towards you, for he cannot disown himself. You may be still struggling of being faithless, going to a bigger faith. You're on the right track, and it's all right, because it's not about our faith at the end of the day. It is about the faithfulness of God, which is constant and which is new every morning. I come to realize going through these Bible verses that it is God who is always, always faithful to you and me. I would love to invite our singing man to help us sing the closing song, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
we started by singing the song, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. But we became joyful only when we got off the fence and got into a relationship with Jesus. And then by faith, we stood and stand on the promises of God. And by faith, we learn to not depend on ourselves, but to lean on Jesus. And finally, our closing song is, it's not our faith, but it's but great is His faithfulness. Please stand. God, we know that as we face another week, while our faith may be going through a roller coaster ride, we believe that you will remain constant and faithful to each one of us. Thank you for your blessings being given to each one of us right now. We claim it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.